Hello, Mrs. Betke. Uh, please have a seat. What can I do for you? Thank you, Mr. Grunheide, for having time on such short notice. Not much, actually. We just wanted to inform you of an arrest. An arrest? Uh, and why are you coming to me with this? It's regarding a former employee of your administration who was fired for data misuse a few years ago. Uh-huh. There was also a lawsuit at the time which he lost. For investigative reasons, I'm not allowed to tell you the name yet. He must have felt he was treated unfairly and tried to take revenge. Oh, uh, that's, um, hmm. I don't know what to say about that. My predecessor once told me that it had been a rather unpleasant incident, but what's actually happened now? You've been the city's mayor for four years. Four and a half years. Exactly. And your predecessor expanded the smart power grid with the municipal utilities. Yes, uh, nearly all of our citizens are simultaneously both electricity customers and producers in various ways. This was a key result of our United Energy for All agenda. It saves everyone a lot of money and makes us autonomous to a great extent. And that's exactly what our perpetrator was after. Uh Uh-huh. How so? He planned to gain access to the central grid control, Mm. probably to shut down the grid and cause a widespread power outage. In fact, his approach was quite clever. But there was one thing he didn't know. What's that? It was probably not clear to him that all important partners are networked with each other via the cloud and that attacks on individual incidents could thus be identified not as individual cases but as targeted action and that your grid software provider immediately informed us when unauthorized access attempts were registered from similar IP addresses. The profile of these attempts indicated without a doubt that an attack was imminent. Hmm. It seems that we got off lightly and averted the crisis. Let's put it this way. If network control still ran via your server like it used to, then you wouldn't have stood a chance. But via the algorithms in the cloud, your provider's AI can detect these kinds of attack or espionage attempts early on via anomaly detection and monitoring. A standalone server can never access this intelligence. In fact, everything was done right many years ago, which helps us to prevent further issues today. Hmm. I'm really relieved to hear that. You know, when our provider suggested that we move from the server to the cloud, the most common argument against it was that nothing protects against an attack better than steel and concrete. (laughs) Well, now we know at least that bits and bytes do a much better job. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Natalia Oropesa. I will be your host today to this podcast of Decoding the Future, and I am so honored. I welcome our guest, Kirsten Todd, the Chief of Staff at the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. So, Kirsten, welcome, and the floor is yours. I am sure you want to say hi to the audience and maybe introduce yourself as well. Thank you so much, Natalia. It's great to be with you, and I'm really looking forward to our discussion uh, about energy and the future of energy. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm Chief of Staff of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, which is an entity, a component within the Department of Homeland Security in the United States. We are America's cyber defense agency. Uh, We're the newest federal agency launched in 2018, 
but truly uh, an aggregate of a lot of work and people and resources over many years that have focused on infrastructure protection, cybersecurity. And really our role is to protect the functions of government and the private sector that are vital to the United States, the critical services that we rely on every day from the water we drink to the gas we get at the fuel pumps to the electricity that lights our homes and businesses. So I very much look forward to this conversation as we dive deeper into electricity and energy. Thank you, Christina, again. And now tell me anything about what is in your mind these days. Anything could be private as well. Uh, yeah, tell, tell me anything that is in your mind these days. Well, something that we've been talking about at CISA uh, as we're looking to 2023 is, you know, we often talk a lot about the threat environment, uh, which obviously is, is critical, and we manage the threat environment. But one of the elements of this that we understand is that the technology ecosystem is also a challenge. If we are not investing in security as we're building out the technology ecosystem, if we're not investing in secure by design, secure by default, ensuring that secure innovation, while some see that as a contradiction in terms, is actually an end state or actually a process, uh, then we're going to miss out on the opportunity. But probably more importantly, we're going to be creating more vulnerabilities. So as we're looking at integrating technology, innovation, that it's so important to be focused on how we're building this out with security as a priority. Great. I don't want us, cybersecurity in Siemens, to be seen as a person that says what people should do and what not to do, but rather I want us to be seen as a superhero because this is what you need these days to deal with the cybercrime. And from all, all, all the superheroes I know, Iron Man is my favorite. And the reason why it is, he is my favorite is because he uses technology with purpose. And in this case, the purpose that he has is to defend and to protect people. And that he does by flying and looking at things that others cannot see. And I picture myself not flying, but looking at things that others cannot see so that I can protect Siemens on time, which for a Mexican like this is a very important piece. So this is what was in my mind these days. I have to accept uh, uh, casting. And well, with that, let's jump into the topic. And I would like to give the audience a little bit of background on what are we talking here about and why smart grids are so important. So smart grids are crucial to the sustainability of a modern society. Energy providers estimate that energy costs will rise by up to 400% in countries that do not set up smart grids. Only smart grids can ensure a stable energy supply against the backdrop of the energy transition. And it is necessary to do balance offers from an almost unimaginable number of small electricity producers electricity storage, and the rapidly increasing demand from immobility and electricity of heating. So this is the background of the conversation that we are having today. And this is how important smart grids are. 
And these are the, the opportunities that the societies will have by deploying them. So we do really want societies to use smart bits. Now, like everything, like everything in life, opportunities and benefits, they come with some risk. And those risks we have to manage. And now more specifically, I am referring to the cybersecurity risks. Now, with digitalization, meaning with the smart grids, we are increasing the connectivity of devices that were not connected before. And those devices have vulnerabilities. Therefore, the number of vulnerabilities will increase in this world, in this smart grid perspective. I have some studies are, are showing that the number of devices connected in the digital world is growing almost exponentially. And accordingly, the vulnerabilities are following the same path, meaning they are also growing. Uh, they are also growing exponentially. So if you to multiply the number of devices you, you have in the digital world times the number of vulnerabilities, and at least we know that 13% of them are critical, then you can imagine the risk I am here talking about. Now, to the audience, don't panic. Because like always in life, what you need to do is to manage those risks. And this is the core of the conversation Kirsten and myself are having today here. Um, so let me tell you a couple of aspects that you have to observe. You have to manage, number one, the inventory of the devices that you have connected. And this sounds really easy and really simple, but believe me, it's not always the case that either the locations or the factories or the sites, they know exactly what they have connected to the, to the network, to the infrastructure, and they also don't know who the owners are. And if you don't know who the owners are, then um, of course, you cannot manage the vulnerabilities on time that those uh, those devices have. So this is this is just to mention one of the topics that I would like to go in more detail, and uh, and then we'll pass to you, Kerstin, to 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 help the audience uh, imagine those kind of risks that could emerge from the use of these digital solutions. So absolutely. I think you've talked through, you know, the, the both the opportunities and the challenges. We know that cybersecurity is an evolving security challenge for the electricity subsector. We certainly appreciate, uh, and particularly at CISA, as we're looking to protect and defend the infrastructure that cyber attacks have the potential to cause severe physical and economic harm. And so the idea is then how do we create that resilient infrastructure? Energy infrastructure has to be particularly important because the energy infrastructure are targets of cyber attacks, including by nation state actors, as well as just global uh, malicious actors. And when we think about this, you know, hackers can disrupt operations through ransomware attacks or by exploiting uh, virtual private networks to gain access to control systems responsible for the critical operational activities. With the electricity subsector operators increasingly integrating industrial Internet of Things devices with industrial control systems, 
to help monitor and regulate and manage operating environments, this interconnectedness and the connected devices pose really many of the same risks to enterprise security as just traditional ICS. And in fact, there is almost this exponential connectivity that, you know, as we've seen, both creates opportunities as well as challenges. And so, you know, the inherent risks of these devices include the vulnerabilities in design, manufacturing, implementation, configuration, and disposal. I think one of the key things as we've talked about is that secure by design, secure by default, as these devices are being created is so critical. Um, We know that an attack on the electric power grid could have devastating and cascading consequences. So that is why, you know, when we think about smart grids, you know, what does that actually mean? And I know we're going to talk through this, but I'll just, you know, I'll start with this concept that, you know, a smart grid you know, according to the United States Energy Department, it's the smart grid is enabled by new technologies that improve two-way communication control systems and computer processing to help the electricity industry better manage energy delivery and transmission. So this, this smart grid approach really improves the ability to analyze the stability of the grid, to identify issues, root power appropriately, provide more information to consumers, and manage and organize all the different segments of electrical generation, operation, and consumption. So as we look at how do we create this resilience, certainly the development and the investment in smart grids are important. Uh, but as you mentioned earlier, Natalia, you know, there's always, we, we have these cost benefits. Yeah, cor- correct. And among other risks, I, I have to add in Europe, we see an increment of uh, DDoS attack on on seventy percent. You mentioned as well ransomware attacks, which in general are increasing up to forty percent. We also are uh, really, let's say, aware of the supplier risk. So a lot of uh, a lot of suppliers are included in our supply chain of the different products that we deliver. So uh, one day after after Japan was complaining about the attacks from Russia and the Ukraine, uh, Toyota had to stop the production line and losing 13,000 cars. And they stopped not because there was something wrong with them, but they stopped because one of the suppliers had an attack and in order to avoid a split over from this attack. So this is adding to the list of risks that casting just mentioned to that, uh, just mentioned. And, but nevertheless, I want to, to, to touch on one, one topic because I always get the question whether accessing cloud technologies or using cloud is going to increment this kind of risk. And actually from the pure cybersecurity perspective, I can tell you it could go different completely different. So the, the, the cloud providers, the, what we call the hyperscalers, they have a very high level of standardization. They don't have, like many of us company, a legacy infrastructure, not updated infrastructure that could add risk uh, to the equation. And uh, just to give you a very, uh, uh, to give you an example, I was so proud, and I am still art of the team of Siemens managing the uh, log4j vulnerability at the beginning of this year very fast. And now I got 
told that one of our cloud providers, they managed that 19 times faster than we did. And I consider that we did already that in a record time. And, 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 and the reason of them being able to manage this so quick was because of the level of standardization and the level of standardization that they have. So they can deploy patches in a, in a matter of minutes. And now I wanted to use this example so that you can, you can have, you, the audience, can have a better perspective or understanding on why do I say that cloud or the use of cloud is not going to add more risk to, uh, to, to the equation, to the use of digital, not, 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 not more risk and not less risk to the use of uh, digital technologies uh, for, for whatever you, you are using that. Um, now, given the, the political context or the geopolitical context uh, casting, uh, the threat posed by hostile groups and governments, uh, can you talk to us about it? And is the smart grid the perfect target for an attack from the outside? Uh, tell us a, a little bit more about it. Well, I think, you know, there are two ways to look at this. I mean, the first is both the value of the smart grid and that this has to represent the future of technology, right? So the, smart, the smarter grid should be better equipped to integrate electricity, generated by renewable sources such as wind and solar, improving the reliability by efficiently managing and rooting power, as I mentioned before, reducing the chance of black blackouts, and that all levels of government need to be engaged. So that's that's one way. You're talking about how vulnerable does the smart grid make our energy infrastructure? And this goes to the point that you talk about with cloud and as well as secure by design, secure by default. This idea that we are creating an infrastructure off of technology. Uh, we need that technology based on the limited resources that we have when it comes to energy and electricity. But we have to be baking in that security because any vulnerability, any interconnectedness of this infrastructure to that vulnerability makes it exposed and can be easily exploited or at least exploited more readily. And this is where industry government engagement and collaboration to build out the security of that infrastructure is so important. And when components like the cloud and others are brought in, that there is real attention paid to the security. So when we often delegate the responsibility of functions to the cloud, it doesn't mean that we're delegating responsibility. It doesn't mean that we're delegating uh, accountability, that as an entity, an organization, a company, a government that is using the cloud, we have to hold our partners, our vendors to high security standards to ensure that they are resilient, that they do have security integrated into that infrastructure. And this is, I think, more and more critical in an understanding of why security needs to be built in from the outset. Uh, that this, you know, as monitoring and control technologies and connected devices become further integrated into the electricity grid in the United States into our nation's electricity grid to make it smarter, the grid becomes increasingly vulnerable to cyber threats that have physical consequences. So building that security into the infrastructure from the beginning is critical, and that will make that infrastructure more resilient to hackers, to adversaries, uh, to nation state efforts. 
Yeah, so to add to what you said, something that we do regularly in Siemens as well is to test our security capabilities. So we have teams of people that are not only doing the traditional pen testing that probably a lot of you in the audience know, but we also execute the red teamings and blue teams and everything what we have in methodology from the methodology uh, that we know to assure that we can attack and look at the infrastructure from the different angles and that we can actually find possible vulnerabilities, not only in the components themselves, but in the whole environments that we put together for ourselves and for our customers and fix those before the attacker can find it. So I, I feel every time very happy to see one of these reports, even if they are in red, because uh, if they are in red, I prefer to look at them previous to any other attacker and make sure we are going to fix them in advance before they become dangerous. So, casting, there was this mentality in the past that isolation or segmentation that's the way we call it, is or was the best way to protect? And uh, how do you see the awareness that uh, among the society that this kind of protection is not only the, the guarantee to have cybersecurity or the needed cybersecurity? Anything from you to comment on that one? And are you referencing micro-segmentation or the, the segmentation of, of infrastructure? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, I think, you know, there is certainly the, the security pr- approaches with micro-segmentation and how we look at systems. I think separate and distinct from that is the awareness of the interdependency of our systems. And, you know, in looking at how we integrate uh, devices, how we integrate technologies into infrastructure, the the need to to create that segmentation for security is important, but the recognition also that we're creating increasing interdependencies is an acknowledgement that we have to appreciate. Sure. Now, um, talking talking from another perspective, I know all these attacks that we see uh, and that they are increasing are they are are triggering or motivating the different governments to react to this. And you you come from an American agency, from the agency of the United States. Can you comment what kind of support, regulations, advice are you providing to, to the society from the government perspective? Well, we're constantly looking at where regulation can play a role. I think, you know, the, the sequence often is, Uh, We let market forces do their work um, to see if market forces can create incentive where market forces can't uh, weigh in or create impact or difference, then bringing in regulation is certainly an option. And I think, you know, we have all of these critical sectors and we have variability around regulation based on where we are in the process. And it's something that we actually this administration, this government today is actively 
assessing and deliberating where regulation can play a role. Uh, What is interesting is right now in this time, having worked in this space for so long, you do hear from industry that there is an interest in working with government on developing regulation. I do think whenever there is uh, something that the private sector, that industry has to follow or comply with that is developed by government, the importance is having industry and government work together. Government can be a convener, government can work with industry, because if industry has to follow and align, it's only helpful and, and will create more success and effectiveness if the entities come together to, to build that out together. Mm-hmm. How do you establish that cooperation? Do you have many representatives from the different companies? It's a great question. So we have different structures within the United States. So One entity that was just launched last year through CISA is called the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. And this is an industry-government collaboration on sharing threat intelligence data. It's a little bit separate and distinct, but when there are sector-specific threats, we bring in the sector and work together to build that trust. But importantly, since 1998, we've had something called the Information Sharing and Analysis Centers. And those are, uh, the, the acronym for that is ISAC, and those are bi-sectors. And those organizations work then collaboratively with government. So over time, what this has led to is a sharing of information within the sector itself so that when there is threat intelligence, they share within the sector, but also importantly, with government. Similarly, what the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative has done since it was launched is very much about taking the intelligence and the data that it receives and being able to share that with industry. It's not always a complete and perfect picture. In fact, it it rarely ever is, if ever. Uh, But the idea here is that we're sharing data, we're sharing uh, data points so that we can get and build together uh, a more complete threat intelligence picture. We're sharing indicators of compromise and having greater visibility into where the threat acts. We also have an organization called the Analysis and Resiliency Center, which right now focuses on the energy sector and the financial sector. So we see groups that are convened by industry. Uh, In some cases, they are uh, legislated by government. In others, they are just created by industry themselves. And what's important is the communication, the convening, the the gathering of these groups with industry and government together. Uh, Someone said to me about a year ago when we were talking about industry government work that, you know, people don't trust institutions, they trust people. And so what's so important as we're building these out is the development of the relationships with people, with individuals. There are uh, activities and engagements uh, with the organizations that go beyond just the broader institution, but actual individual engagement and the building of trust and cooperation over time. Yeah, and I think you and me, we are a very good example of this kind of person-to-person relationship. Yeah, and, exactly. <laughs> and and, uh, and um, maybe it's interesting for the audience to know that we at Siemens, we look very, very much at CISA, uh, that is Cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency. They provide us with uh, guidance about which measure to prioritize, about which vulnerability to close fix. So, we listen very, very carefully to their advice and uh, yeah, and and follow their advice. Now, let let me let me take this opportunity as well to to mention that we in Siemens we uh, as well are convinced that 
especially in cybersecurity, we need to cooperate. We have to prevent uh, reinventing the wheel. And therefore, we have established with other 16 partners uh, the Charter of Trust. The brand new partner is Microsoft these days, so we are very happy to have Microsoft in the Charter of Trust, and we have given us 10 principles. Uh, one of them, you mentioned several times today, you mentioned security by default, and I was so happy to hear that. And let me tell you, we agree among these 70 partners now what are the requirements for us in regard to the security by default. So we know exactly which are the 17 settings that we want to preset in all of our products to for this security by default to be uh, given. And uh, in addition to that, we gave us as well a principle in regard to supply chain security. So we also agree on the 16 requirements to be included in all, in all of our contracts in the terms and conditions are included. Now we are giving us as well the task to control those providers and to share the results of those controls, those assessments that we will do on our providers so that not everyone needs to redo these assessments. And with that, you can imagine we have partners like Airbus, like IBM, like Dell, like Atos, like uh, Mitsubishi Heavy Industries, like Microsoft now. So the power that we have all together doing and developing this kind of, of measures uh, together. So um, also worth mentioning, and I talk about segmentation, Kerstin, and I think there was this mentality in the in the past, and I think this the past for me was before COVID, before the pandemic, that we could protect a company by establishing walls like in the medieval, the medieval times. Uh, actually, we called them firewalls and everything what was inside of those walls was trusted and everything outside was not trusted. And now with the increase of remote work, with the increase of the use of cloud, those walls are there, but they are not protecting the way they should be protecting and therefore very important for us is the deployment of zero trust. And in zero trust, what we do is to verify that users, machines, devices are secure to access data. Uh, and um, we are in the middle of the transformation. And that includes as well the products. The products that we use in the smart infrastructure are going to include this kind of technologies as well so that the products are able to speak with a policy decision point. This is how we call the device or the functionality in the middle that checks whether the uh, devices are secure to access that. So this is changing the way we do uh, protection and we do cybersecurity these days. And I am very proud to share with the audience that we are in the middle of it. I promise we will do a podcast only on zero trust. And uh, yeah, I can look into the time casting. We are coming to the end. Any final remarks from your side? Anything else that you would like to share with us? Well, I think as we look at this, as we look at um, smart grid, as we look at the uh, energy and electricity uh, efforts and infrastructure, 
the criticality of collaboration and partnership, both between industry and government, but also more broadly. I mean, CISA right now has relationships with over 150 uh, computer emergency response teams. And this discussion, Natalia, with Siemens and the work that you're doing internationally is, is so important. With the rapid evolution and expansion of smart technologies and connected devices, the importance of partnership is, is so important, is so critical um, as we move forward. And as we look at this problem, it's, it's very much about building resilience. It's very much about how do we create that resilient infrastructure globally with our partners to share the responsibility, to do our part, to build the collective cyber defenses that are truly needed to protect our critical infrastructure now, and importantly, to ensure future resilience. Yeah, thank you, Kirsten, for your words. And I would pick on, on one point to close, and this is the point that that we all need to actively participate in securing our digital world. And you mentioned that, Kirsten, in the past, is responsibility of all of us. We are all and we are all responsible for the data of our companies and for our personal data. Four things that I always recommend is register your assets. Make sure that your assets and your cloud accounts are registered. Similar to the cards, all the technology that was developed to protect the passengers will not work if you don't put your seatbelts on. Similar to that, all the measures, all the technology, all the cyber technology that we deployed in the companies will not use if you don't register your assets. If you don't encrypt the information that needs to be encrypted, your emails, your confidential emails, your confidential uh, documents should be encrypted. Please remove as well your local admin rights. Uh, is uh, still the case that uh, the most the, most of the attacks they start with the compromise of uh, administrator account and in some cases this is the administrator of account of a client that was not even an administrator but it happened to have a, a administrator right rights. So those single actions and activities will help us to protect the digital world. So think about that and uh, yeah, secure Siemens help us to secure the digital world. So with that, thank you again, Kerstin. Always a pleasure talking with you. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Thank you very much. And for our audience, thank you for listening and for paying attention to this important topic. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Talia.